tonight we're going to go ahead and we're going to begin our telephone lecture, our nationwide telephone lecture tonight. Now what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and we're going to talk for about 30 to 35 minutes or so. And then after that, you could unmute your phone and we could then open it up to different types of questions. And tonight what we're going to do is we're going to talk about cataracts. What are cataracts? What are the medical treatments? And also, what are the other types of low vision treatments that are available for cataracts? This podcast is going to be recorded for your convenience for later listening on Airs LA, and that's at www.airsla.org. Airsla.org. So, again, I want to thank all of you for listening tonight, and we know that tonight, for all of you sports fans, it's a big basketball night, so we'll try to go ahead and get things finished on time so you could watch the Lakers. But I want to talk about cataracts, and cataracts are really one of the most common types of causes of vision impairment among people over the age of 60 years of age. Now, there's a lot of misunderstandings about cataracts, Many people often think that a cataract is a film that covers the front of the eye. Other people think that a cataract is something that a person actually has to have his or her eye removed and transplanted. But the reality of what a cataract is, a cataract is basically a time, a situation, in which the lens inside your eye becomes clouded or yellow. Now, if you look at your own eye in a mirror you probably notice that you could see the colored part of your eye. And right in the very center of the colored part of your eye, there's a black circle. Now, that black circle is actually a hole that light enters into your eye. Immediately behind that black circle, which is called the pupil, there's actually a lens. And this lens, you could almost think of it like a clear type of a contact lens in a newborn baby. It's shaped about the size of an M&M. Now, what we know happens with this lens is that this lens will normally change its shape. So when a baby is going to look at something close, the lens could become very thick. And this is why you'll see many young children, they could hold something two or three inches from their eyes, and they could see things very clearly. Now, every year of our life, that lens accumulates a new layer of cells And when the lens becomes thicker and thicker like that, it becomes gradually a little bit more difficult to focus as close. And this is why we see that when a person reaches the age of 40, many 40-year-olds, they find that they can't read quite as well, and they need reading glasses to help them to focus. You might have seen other people that you know who are 40, and when they're reading a menu at a restaurant, they hold their arms straight out, almost like if they're holding on to a steering wheel, or... I remember when I was a kid, we only had one bathroom, and there were three boys and my mom and dad. And when we were getting ready for school, there were a lot of times my dad would just have that newspaper on the floor, and he's sitting so far away from it. I'm wondering, why is he doing that to read the newspaper? Well, I later realized, well, you know, he was having a hard time with focusing because the lens of his eye was getting a little bit thickened. Now, as we age... Typically, about the age of 55 to 60 years of age, the lens really becomes very yellow. And at that time, when it starts to deteriorate a person's clarity of sight, we call that a cataract. So in reality, a cataract is a relatively common type of age-related change 
that almost everybody will develop a cataract if they're blessed to live long enough. Now, when a person develops a cataract, there's a few things that happens to a person's functional vision. The first thing that we do notice is that it's more difficult to focus at specific distances. These people might say that they cannot focus on their computer screen, so they might need one pair of glasses to focus on the computer screen, and then they need a separate pair of glasses to focus on their reading materials, and then they need a different pair of glasses to focus on the TV, and they need a different pair of glasses to focus when they're driving. A second consequence of cataracts is that we're often bothered by glare. When the light from the environment comes into that black pupil and then focuses through that dirty lens, it's analogous to driving towards the sun, and you notice that as the sun is coming into your dirty windshield, it causes a lot of problems with glare. You have a lot of difficulties with seeing details very clearly. And this is why most people who have cataracts, they're really bothered by the glare. Now, when the lens becomes very brown and thick, we also notice that people have difficulty seeing at night. Because it is brownish yellow, there's less light getting inside the eye to focus on the retina. So many people who have cataracts, they unfortunately have difficulties with driving at night. When they're driving at night, they may not see the lanes if they're not painted very, very white. They'll have difficulties with the headlights of oncoming cars. If you happen to live in a place like Wyoming or way out there where there's not a lot of street lights, where it's very dark and another oncoming car is coming towards you, you might see the starburst appearance. And that's because the lens of the eye has become clouded. We know that cataracts could also change a person's contrast vision. Now, contrast vision, it asks us how well can we see things that are not completely black on white. You know, when you go to your eye doctor's office, they're always using these eye charts with a black letter on a very white background. And the doctor might say, you know, your vision's pretty good. But in reality, when you go out into the real world, you realize that not everything is a black background or in white letters or vice versa. So many people who have cataracts, they have reduced contrast. If something is written in pencil, they can't read it. If they're trying to walk up and down some steps, they don't even see the edges of the steps because gray on gray is very difficult to see. So it affects our contrast vision. And the last thing that we notice that for many people, it could also affect your color vision. Some of you might have read about Grandma Moses, who was a very famous African-American painter, and she was really noted for the fact that a lot of her paintings had such a very, very brilliant color of blue when she painted a lot of these skyscapes and such. Well, we know that Grandma Moses started taking painting when she was up in her 70s, and she was, I think, almost over 100 years old as she was painting, and the cataract the yellowness of the lens of her eye, it made it such that her color vision changed, and this is why she had to put such a deep color of blue in order to see the blue. So overall, cataracts can have a lot, a lot of functional problems on a person's vision, and in the very, very severe cases of a cataract, it could also cause you to have reduced peripheral vision. Well, fortunately, over the past 30 years or so, Cataracts have not really become too big of a problem for us anymore because the advances in medical surgical techniques to remove the cataracts has really improved. 
before the 1970s, when a person had a cataract, what had to be happened was that they would use a scalpel, and they would cut open half of the eye. It's almost as though that you had a cherry, and you cut half of it, and you popped out the seed in the middle of it. That was really the way that the cataract was removed. Well, nowadays there are new techniques where you could actually just poke a little hole inside the eye, and you could insert a device which is going to emulsify. It's just going to break down the cataract and suck it out. And then an artificial lens, similar to like a soft contact lens, can be inserted into that small little hole, and it will fit right inside that pocket. One of the things that was invented was something called the Mazako Taco, and this was Dr. Thomas Mazako, and he invented a lens that eliminated the need to cut open the eye as large. He invented a procedure with a lens that could be rolled up, sort of like a taquito or a taco, a rolled taco, and you just slide it inside that little hole, and then when you slide it all the way in, it just pops open, and it would focus inside the eye that way. So with this development of these types of procedures, a person can now have cataract surgery performed in about 15 to 20 minutes. It's something that a person is going to be awake with. They can simply instill a couple of eye drops so that your eye is numb. They tell you where to look. They could do this type of small little incision. And in many cases, you're going to be home and seeing uh, within that afternoon very, very easily. Now, there's a few things that are some new uh, innovations with this type of implant surgery. You know, I talked earlier about how many people say, you know, I had cataract and they did an eye transplant on me. Well, that's not true. There's no such thing as transplanting your whole eyeball. What they really did is that they implanted an artificial lens inside the eye. Now, in the early days of doing this type of surgery, the ophthalmologist would use what we call a single vision lens. And this would be a lens that only had one power in it. So this power would typically be suited to give a person the best distance vision. This would be something that a person would be able to see the television clearly, if they were driving, if they were golfing, if they're vacationing. And so that single vision lens would only focus at one distance. What this meant was that when a person tried to read, they would still need to wear reading glasses or a bifocal pair of glasses so they could read their mail, read the television guide, and also to be able to see their food. Well, today there's new what we call multifocal implant lenses. Now, these are different types of lenses that can be implanted inside the eye, and it will give you the ability to see at numerous distances. So this is something that now many people are selecting this option. Now, there's different brands of multifocal lenses, and one of the things that I want all of you who are low vision to know is that for most people who have low vision, these types of lenses are not recommended. They are not recommended. The reason for this is because they tend to reduce the contrast vision. So in other words, many people who have macular degeneration or glaucoma or retinitis pigmentosa, we already have difficulties with not having the best contrast vision. So if you use a single vision lens, 
The single vision lens will give you the best contrast vision and the multifocal lens will diminish that type of contrast. However, if a person has perfect vision with 20-20 eyesight, perfect color vision, perfect contrast vision, perfect peripheral vision, these multifocal implant lenses might be a very helpful solution. For some of our family members that have had it, I have recommended that they would have one type of a multifocal lens in one eye and a different brand in the other because each of these brands have their own advances, you know, advantages. So when you do talk to any type of a doctor or if your family members who are thinking about this talk to a doctor, they have to really tell the doctor what it is that you're trying to do. So for example, one of my relatives who's a nurseryman he really doesn't need to see details that are very, very tiny. In other words, he's not trying to sew or do arts and crafts that are very small. He needs to be able to see his plants, the seeds, and the leaves. And these kinds of uh, implant lenses work very well. Now, another type of research that's presently going on is that they are now implanting a telescopic implant inside the eye. When a person has cataract surgery, they can remove the cataract, and in this case, they are implanting a telescope inside the eye. Now, this telescope, it's not a very small device, so it can't be inserted into that little hole like the little taquito that I was talking about. This is one where you do have to make a larger incision in the eye, and they're doing most of these studies on patients who have macular degeneration. Now this is something that when you do implant the telescope in that eye, that eye is always going to see things larger. It will see things about two to a little bit more than two times larger. And for one particular reason, this is something that could be very problematic. Can you imagine if you held in front of your eye, one eye, you were holding a pair of binoculars in front of one eye where everything was magnified and your other eye didn't have it, you might feel that your depth perception could be off. It could be difficult. It might also give you a little bit of headaches. I don't know if any of you have ever tried this, but if you ever look through some of these telescopes that they have on at the beach by the pier, and as you start to pan from left to right across the, the horizon, if you move too fast, you get kind of dizzy. Or you might notice the same thing if you're using a pair of binoculars and you're at a baseball game and you move it across the crowd too quickly, you get dizzy. Well, these types of telescopic implants, they're going to create the same effect for people. So only those people who have had really what we call very good vestibular vision are going to be the best candidates for this. If you're a person who gets seasick, very often, you probably wouldn't be a good candidate for these types of telescopes that are being implanted on people with macular degeneration. However, I think that there's situations where many people may benefit from this, and with training, with what we call vision training, many people will adapt to this very well. Now, what we have done at our center, the Center for the Partially Sighted, is that we have created a simulation of this for many of our patients. A telescope is nothing more than two lenses separated by a distance. So when we put a contact lens on the eye and then wear a pair of glasses on top of that, 
it essentially creates a telescope. So when we do set something up like that, a person can actually experience what it would be like for them to have that type of a telescope implanted inside the eye. So that's another really, really very fascinating thing about these types of advances in advances in intraocular lenses. Now, another thing that we have to think about when a person has the cataract removed is that we now have lost the physical barrier, the physical protection that we have against the ultraviolet light. The natural lens of the eye that a child is born with, that lens naturally filters out the blue light and the ultraviolet light. So when we have a cataract removed, the eye no longer has that protection. And as we talked about in some of our previous episodes, we talked about that when the ultraviolet light and the blue light enters the retina, it can damage the retina. So when you are having an implant lens put in, you want to make certain that the implant lens that your doctor is implanting, it does filter out the ultraviolet light. There are some companies such as Alcon, and that's A-L-C-O-N, and many other manufacturers that make their implant lenses filter out both the ultraviolet and the blue light. So this is something that really provides the most protection to the retina, and the blue filtering also can increase some of that type of contrast. These lenses almost have a little bit of a yellow tinge to it, but when people look through these, they really don't see the world as a very, very yellowish type of appearance. They really don't notice anything like that. So when you do have cataract surgery, or if you know others, friends and family members who do have cataract surgery, we want to remind them that we do need to protect the retina from that type of infrared, the ultraviolet, and the blue light. So they could always do that also when they go outdoors by wearing sunglasses, or if they have to wear reading glasses in the form of a bifocal, they could always have their clear glasses for reading. They could always have them coated so it does filter out the ultraviolet light. Now when we're talking about why is it that people get cataracts, we know that there's different types of reasons that people may get cataracts. One reason is we just know that this is a very common age-related change. We know that a lot of the exposure to the ultraviolet light can cause the progression of cataracts. What we do find is that many times farmers and gardeners or people who are outdoors quite a bit, we sometimes will see that they develop cataracts a little bit sooner. Another thing that we find is that many people who have other types of eye conditions and other medical conditions can develop cataracts earlier as well. We find that people who have diabetes are really at risk of developing a cataract very early on. These types of cataracts will tend to cause lights to really appear to be glary or a star shape. We know that when people have diabetes, the blood sugar increases, and this is something that really tends to cause the lens to swell, and there could be changes in the person's prescription very, very often with that diabetes. So it's very common that a person with diabetes might develop a cataract, as as early as 30 to 40 years of age. And we even see children who are born with type 1 diabetes, 
they may develop cataracts when they're in their teenage years. Another type of uh, condition that also causes cataracts is retinitis pigmentosa. Now, retinitis pigmentosa is a retinal disorder that usually, not always, but usually causes the loss of peripheral vision. And that loss of peripheral vision is something that causes night blindness and difficulties with walking. So when a person develops a cataract with retinitis pigmentosa, this also makes things a little more difficult because the cataract actually reduces the amount of light coming into the eye. And we know that our patients with RP, they see better when there is more light. Now the type of cataract that people with RP most often get is something called a posterior subcapsular or sometimes the abbreviation is PSC posterior subcapsular cataract and this is a small cataract that's usually right in the very center of the eye so in some cases some of my patients who had RP with a posterior subcapsular cataract sometimes my patients were very hesitant to have surgery and we were able to allow more light to get into the retina by using eye drops to dilate the pupil. So for some people this is one way that things could be helped out quite a bit. Now we see that there's also other types of medical syndromes. There's other types of medical conditions where people may also develop cataracts. We see children who have Down syndrome often develop cataracts early on. Or people who have Marfan syndrome. Uh, these are usually adults who are very, very tall with very long arms and long legs and, and they have a, a problem in which they might have a cataract early on as well as other types of problems with the aorta of the heart. So there's many, many different types of conditions that can have a cataract but the really, really wonderful thing is that usually, usually in most cases surgery can really improve the vision of these patients very easily. But what happens for some of those patients where surgery is not recommended? For example, some people might have medical problems where it doesn't allow them to have that type of surgery. What we do know is that for many people who have cataracts, one of the things that happens is that their glasses prescription changes and it could change quite significantly. So you want to have a low vision optometrist perform a low vision refraction to determine whether or not you can benefit from an updated prescription. To get more light into your eye if you have a cataract, we often will use what's called an anti-reflective coating on the lens. And what this is a uh, material that is applied onto the lens which will let more light into the eye. So again, many people who have glaucoma, diabetic retinopathy, and retinitis pigmentosa with cataracts, they often say, you know, I don't really like going out at night. I just can't see very well. And the glare from all the street lights and cars, I, I, just, I just can't stand it. Well, this type of a lens coating could be very helpful. For outdoors use, the glare is also a problem because it's, again, analogous to looking through the windshield that is very, very smudged and dirty while you're driving towards the sun. Well, we know that polarized filters work very, very well. And in many, many cases, again, we like to use the brown polarized lens or the orange-amber polarized lens for many people who have cataracts. One of the research papers that I did is that when I was uh, younger and in school, 
we actually did a research study to evaluate whether or not there was a subjective improvement in a person's overall vision when they wore specific colors of lenses. And what we found was that when they wore a orangish brown lens, we found that their subjective visual comfort and their perception of what they saw, steps and curbs, was much better when they used that particular type of a lens. So this is a way that even with low vision aids, we could reduce some of those symptoms of problems with glare, reduce contrast sensitivity, and we also know that with optical low vision aids, we could use magnification to improve a person's distant sight. So overall, cataracts are something that is, you know, quite common, but we do see that it's not really a, a cause of permanent vision loss for most people. For most people now who do have cataracts, whether they're children or adults, the surgical or the optical treatment really enables these people to have much better vision, and as a result, it's very different than it was 50 years ago. Now, one of the things that patients often ask, they'll say, Dr. Bill, I don't know if I really should have cataract surgery or not. Is it really going to improve my vision? Well, this is why we need to find out what types of vision problem do you have. If you are really having problems with your visual acuity, in other words, the clarity of your sight is reduced, one of the tests that you want your doctors to do for you is something that's called a PAM, P-A-M. And PAM stands for Potential Acuity Measure. And what this is, this is a device that can shine a eye chart inside your retina. So what it does is you put your head inside the instrument that the doctors are always checking your eyes with, and this is a little attachment. Now what we do as doctors, we find an area of the lens of your eye that's the clearest, and at that spot we shoot an eye chart so it's focused right on your retina. And then, to you, it just looks like you're looking at a regular eye chart. And we ask you to read the letters, and you'll say E, F, P, T, O, Z, P, H, T, C. And you're going to read the smallest that you could read, and then we record that. So what we then do is that we record what you see on this PAM test and compare it to what you saw when you came into the office. And usually, if it's two lines of acuity better, then we know that it's going to definitely improve the clarity of how you see things. Now, what we also do know is that almost every patient, every patient who has cataract surgery, will see things brighter. So if a patient says to me, you know, Dr. Bill, gosh, I have night blindness, I have glaucoma, or I have RP, and I really just can't see at night. Everything is so dark. If we look at, at the cataract, we could tell how dark that is, and we know that the removal of the cataract will really brighten things up. If a person also then tells us that, you know, the problem that I'm having with my cataracts is that every time I'm driving down the road with my family, I, I, I can't stand seeing all these starbursts coming off of the headlights. We know that a cataract will improve that. The cataract surgery will improve that. And also, lastly, based on your color vision, 
we could also tell whether or not the cataract surgery will improve your color vision. So when you do make an appointment for uh, your cataract consultation with your doctor, you know, this evaluation should take some time so that the doctor could do these different tests and could tell you step by step which one of these visual skills can be improved. Now there are some cases and many cases that we'll see patients who have macular degeneration or other problems, optic nerve damage, and we look at the cataract and we could tell, you know, this cataract is very, very minor. We don't really feel that it's going to improve the clarity of your sight very much, or it won't improve your peripheral vision too much. So this is something that, you know, a, a very, very honest ethical eye doctor will tell you, because like with any surgery, there's risk. One of the stories that I'll never forget was that a retina specialist, his mother was in town to have surgery by another cataract specialist, and this retina specialist is one of the best in the world and he brought a family member to California to see a cataract surgeon who is one of the best in the world. And everything just went perfectly smoothly just as they thought. Two days later she developed an infection. You know, even though you can have the best eye doctors out there, you never know when there's certain types of germs or bugs that could cause that infection. And this infection was so severe, you know, they were very concerned that she was going to have to have her whole entire eye removed because of the infection. So for this reason, we always tell people that cataract surgery is, again, it is the most safe medical surgical procedure performed in all of medicine with the greatest numbers of procedures being performed but there could still always be that very very slight chance of something that could be a problem. So overall um, cataracts are something that can be treated and it's nothing really to fear it's not like a tumor or anything like that and it's also important to notice that in some cases if you let a cataract become too thick then it becomes very difficult to remove it surgically. Okay, so uh, let's go ahead and, and, and we'll open it up to some questions that we have there. Are there any questions tonight? Yes, go ahead, Sam. Okay, that's a very, very good question. And what Sam was noticing that he has noticed more recently that at nighttime he prefers to have a lot of the lights in his house turned off and he has a lot of problems at the late afternoon walking towards the sun where he has to put his hand over his eyes to shield the sun. These are things that are definite signs that suggest that you are probably having some slight changes to the lens inside your eye. And any slight change to your eye is called a cataract. There's very mild cataracts and there's very severe cataracts but by definition any discoloration to the lens is that. I would say that almost every person that I've examined over the age of 50 I was able to find some sort of a cataract but when it does get to the point where it really is affecting your day-to-day -day activities how you do things that is the time that you might then consider having cataract surgery. The second question was a really good question some people will say, you know, I had two or three or four cataract surgeries on the same eye. And by definition, this is not possible. We are only born with one lens inside each eye. 
so we can only have one cataract surgery inside each eye. However, what we do know is that many people when they do have cataract surgery and we put a artificial intraocular lens implant into the eye, there's a membrane that is behind the lens and sometimes that membrane becomes clouded or sometimes the artificial lens inside the eye becomes clouded. So what the ophthalmologists are able to do, they could use a laser, something that is called a YAG laser, and they could go ahead and clean that lens or clean that membrane to make your vision clearer. So it is possible that a person might say, for example, have cataract surgery, and then three years later they say, you know, my vision seems to be a little blurry again. I'm having problems with the halos. Well, you could then be seen by your cataract surgeon, and the cataract surgeon will use this laser and, and clean things up right away. So in your case, Sam, it may just be that you are developing some normal changes to the lens as to whether or not, if it's bothering you that much, whether or not you do have to have cataract surgery or not, you'll need to have an ophthalmologist or an optometrist look at it but remember, only an ophthalmologist can do the surgery for it. But things that might help you in the meantime is wear a visor. You know, you could go out and buy a Tiger Woods uh, golf visor, and you could probably get that at a good price right now. <laughs> and also, like we talked about, we talked about the fact of using the different types of polarized filters. If you use a polarized filter, that would be great. And the last recommendation would be make certain that in your home all of these lights or lamps that you have you never want to be able to see the light bulb itself it should always be that there's a lamp shade or something that's covering the bulb and I want to tell you one other thing to do for all of you who wear glasses remember to clean your glasses it's so funny I had an architect come into my office and he called me he called me frantically. He called me on a Sunday night. You know, my vision, it's worse, it's worse. My optic nerve has really gone down to, you know, really, really severe. So I said, I'm going to meet you at the office. I met him at the office that night. He was just frantic. And he was low vision already. So went ahead and, you know, took off his glasses. And I looked inside of his eye, and his eye looked the same. And then... I looked at his glasses, and my goodness, they were so dirty. They they just had so much grease and things like that on there. And he said, you know, he was laughing and laughing. He goes, you know, gosh, I never think about cleaning my glasses ever since I've become low vision because things are blurry, so it doesn't bother me. But it got to the point where he had so much, you know, Vaseline on his glasses that it really it hindered his vision. So remember, clean your glasses if you have low vision. Next question. Okay, the question is, what does the natural lens of the eye look like? What is the shape of it? And I would say the, the best thing that I could think of it, it is similar to an M&M, not the peanut one, but the plain one. Okay, if you ever went to the store and you bought the M&Ms, the candy, it's sort of shaped like that. It's it's about the size of a shirt button, but that lens, it in the center of it, it is thicker, and on the edges of it, it's thinner. Next question. 
Yeah, the question is a good one, and it's what does it mean when the doctors say the cataract is ripe? Well, if we think about this, a cataract that is ripe, by definition, is one that is so yellow and brown that it really is hindering how much light gets into the eye and how much one can see. Now, by guidelines and such, because we know that in any patient we might see a cataract, we could see a very small cataract, but it may be so tiny that it's not really affecting your vision. The person's visual acuity might still be quite good. The color vision might still be good. The contrast vision is quite good. So when the doctor looks at the cataract and there's a certain point when it really starts to look brownish, then we say that that's ripe. And in those types of cases, we say, yeah, we should take this out before it gets too big. Because if it gets too big, it makes the, the surgery more difficult. One of the consequences that could happen if you wait too long, you could almost think of it like a banana. You know, when you keep a banana around and it gets too ripe and you pick it up, it sort of just explodes. It just falls apart all over the place. Now, that's what could happen with a cataract that is too ripe. When you go and you touch it, it could sort of explode in the eye. And what's very interesting is that the tissues of the eye itself, it perceives that lens tissue as foreign. So a very, very large immune response goes where your antibodies of your eye goes and attacks that lens itself. So this is why we don't want the cataract to get so ripe that it explodes and you have these these you know overripe types of tissue from the lens floating around in the eye. So there's two ways that we make the decision as to when a cataract should be done. Number one, the most often, is if it's affecting a person's day-to-day -day activities. We see patients now who have cataract surgery if their vision is 2040 or 2050. Whereas when I first started, you know, in the field of vision care, a person wouldn't have cataract surgery until their vision was maybe 2080 or 2100. So now we know that the, the procedure is safe, so cataract surgery can't be performed when it's affecting your daily function, or number two, when the doctor looks at it and it looks so brown or ripe that we think it should be removed now before there's more complications. Okay? Next. Yeah, the question is, for a person like Anne who has macular degeneration along with cataracts, can cataract surgery be helpful? And the answer to that is definitely yes. What we know is that many people with macular degeneration, their peripheral vision, their side vision, is what is much better. And what we do know is that in some cases, if the cataract is more severe on the outer edges of the lens, by removing that, it's going to clarify all the images that focus in the peripheral retina, and this could help people to use the peripheral retina to see more clearly. Many of you might have heard of some of the different types of things that doctors are doing with patients called peripheral retinal locus training. And this is where we teach people with macular degeneration to use the peripheral retina to read. Now, if your cataract is causing your peripheral vision to not be maximal, the cataract surgery could be very, very helpful. So I would, I would then see, I would then see a cataract surgeon to take a look at that 
and then the doctor would also then be able to determine whether or not you could be a good candidate for PRL training that's peripheral retinal locus training PRL training and that's where we teach patients how to use the peripheral retina to read when they have macular degeneration so absolutely the cataract surgery might be very very helpful okay next question yeah the question here is that uh, Francine had has had cataract surgery and they put implants in and coincidentally she also developed what's called a vitreous detachment now the vitreous is the gel that's inside the eye and it prevents our eyeball from collapsing and it's very very common that the vitreous will separate or pull away from the retina now when this happens early on many times a person who has a vitreous detachment might have blurred vision because some of the fibers what we call collagen fibers in the vitreous they may clump together and that might obstruct some of the vision now very often when a person has a vitreous detachment some of the fibers that might be casting a shadow in front of your eye sometimes they will float and move away or you might see these things that are floating in front of your vision so it is possible that a person who's had the vitreous detachment like you that with time some of these things that are obstructing your vision there it may move and it may improve your vision later another thing that I would recommend is that you would see your low vision optometrist or low vision ophthalmologist and have them try showing you some high contrast filters and this might be a yellow or an orange and that often can help a person who has a vitreous detachment to see more clearly as well but there's no real relation I, I couldn't say that the cause of your vitreous detachment was because you had cataract surgery I don't think so okay how about any more questions yes the question is what about this thing that we talked about the YAG laser and how it clears up some of the cloudiness well the way that the lens the natural lens of a baby a newborn baby that lens is actually sitting inside a bag or a capsule membrane so when a person develops a cataract later on the cataract or the M&M so to speak that is then removed from the eye and that little bag is still there when the surgeon inserts the artificial implant lens it sits just in between the pupil and that little bag now sometimes years later the bag that membrane it could sometimes become clouded and if that becomes clouded it's going to affect the way that light could enter inside the retina to affect your vision so the way that they do that is that they don't have to go inside and cut your eye to cut open that bag but what they can do is they could use a laser beam which is a very small beam of light that has energy to it and if there's a very very small spot in that membrane let's say it's just like a dot that you dotted with a pen you know a fountain pen that you're gonna write with if you just put a small dot but it happens to be right in the center that's affecting your central vision the doctor might use the YAG and just put a one little hole and right there it's it's ended 
so that would let the light go through to the macula very clearly. Now, on the other hand, there could be a situation where the whole membrane, the entire bag, a larger area has become clouded, and then they will use the laser to make even a bigger hole and to obliterate that entire thing. One of the things that I remember that we used to do in our laboratories when we practiced using the YAG lasers is that we would get a dollar bill and we would hold up a dollar bill of George Washington and then we would focus the laser right on each of his eyes and we would press the laser and it would then create a hole and then you could hold the dollar bill up to the light and you could see the light coming through. So that's a way to think of it. It's just similar to just putting a very tiny hole. So if all we need to do is to eliminate a small hole, we could use the YAG laser and make a tiny hole. But if we need to make a bigger opening, we could make numerous laser shots and make a bigger opening. Okay? Okay, how about one last question? Does anybody else have a question? Okay, great. Well, I thank all of you for tuning in tonight. And again, this is being recorded right now, and it will be available on Airs LA. That's www.airsla.org. So again, thank you everybody for your attention tonight, and have a great evening, and we'll see you then next month.